0: Well, good morning. I had a parishioner say I need to say that more because I never say good morning, right? Uh, Again, thank you, especially to Dr. Rebecca Raber for uh, conducting the, the choir as well. It's just awesome to have you guys here. One thing I've begun to notice is that we're terrible at having difficult conversations with each other. We hate it. Spouses hate it. Parents hate it. Friends hate it. Everybody hates it. And in fact, even now, we're just getting bad at having conversations, period. Right? And I blame the first part on the human condition. We've never liked to have hard conversations with each other. But the other one in which we don't have conversations, period, I blame on technology. This came to me because the other day I was, have you ever done this? I was texting with somebody for like 10 minutes. And then I was just like, why didn't I call them? It would, have been a, it would have been... I wasted so much time texting. But I read a study recently that said 75 of, 75% of millennials prefer texting over talking. They would rather write to each other than have an actual conversation. You know why? You want to know what the answer is? You ready for this? Because calling is too intrusive. Like... God forbid I call you and interrupt your super important day, whatever you're doing, posting something to Instagram, probably, that nobody cares about. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe that when I read it. But they also said that it's, it's less intrusive as far as like bothering your day. It's also less intrusive, at least at the beginning, because it's non-confrontational. You can't, face, you can't see the face of the person when they read the text. You know, you can see what they send back. You can see a fake digital face. of It's yellow with, you know, you know, smiling and crying and laughing. You know, tears coming out. But you can't see them. We're meant for relationship. And the more we condition ourselves to be fragmented from real personal contact. Now these are going to be harder to have the hard conversations, which we need to have. Jesus is abundantly clear about that today. But it's just going to become harder and harder to have a conversation, period. You know, I was, <clears throat> I was talking to you, kids aren't dumb. They appear dumb sometimes, but they're not dumb. They're very observant. And I was preaching on the danger of this to the, to the school kids this last two weeks ago. And how dangerous it is to have these phones and social media and, and, and how it's ruining relationships and fragmenting us. And one, one of the teachers said that one of the little kids leaned over to an, like his buddy and was like, I don't get it. If it's so dangerous, why does he have one? <laughs> it's an honest question. Here's what's sad, though. We are able to have difficult conversations about other people with other people. We don't have the difficult conversation with the actual person. But to say to somebody, I'm going to have that with you, we're terrified of that. And you want, there's two reasons why I think. The first reason is this. If I say the difficult thing to you, I don't know how you're going to react. The second thing, if I say the difficult thing to you, you might not like me anymore. And so it's safer to say nothing, which is what most of us do. We don't call each other out. God forbid we be judged. God forbid we be labeled. And so we just stay quiet, because here's the deal, and this is true for all of us here, I really believe it. We would rather be liked for who we are not than respected for who we are. So we avoid the conversations. I remember I worked with this guy a lot of years back. It's not the bishop. <laughs> I was thinking about that with the other, the other uh, masses. It's not the bishop, but I was... <clears throat> isn't that, we'll call him John. And all the employees... John, John just drove him nuts. He was the boss. Now, I remember him saying, they say, the way John deals with conflict is he pretends it's not there. You ever have a boss like that? Do you ever have somebody that, a spouse like that? A parent like that? They just brush it under the rug. Here's the problem, right? They do this to avoid consequences. But to avoid it causes consequences. You know what happened with the conflict with John and all the employees? You know what happened to it? It got worse. Because he didn't deal with it. And that's what happens in most of our relationships, marriage, family. We just won't have the hard conversation. Spouses don't want to talk about what really matters. They don't want to fight. They don't want to call each other to help each other in love to be the best versions of themselves. And then they wait and wait and wait and it's too late. You know, they I have a Father Chris Catermas, he's a priest of our diocese, he calls it the hydraulic effect. He's like, if you keep pushing the hydraulics, right? Works when one goes down, the other one goes up. So you keep pushing this one down, keep sweeping it under the rug. This one goes up and up and up until there's an explosion. I had a friend of mine, his name is Deacon James Keating. Wonderful man. Deacon, obviously. He has his uh, doctorate in theology. Wrote a lot of books. Good holy man. He's got a great family. But when when he first was married, about five years into his marriage, he was working on his doctorate day in and day out. He'd get up super early in the morning, kiss his wife goodbye and say, I love you, tiptoe out, and then he'd come home super late at night, warm up some food, eat, go to bed, repeat. Until one morning, as he was tiptoeing out, his wife, Mary Ann was like, Jim, he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to wake you. And she's like, no, I've been awake for a while now. And he's like, what do you need? And he's like, I want you home today at five o'clock. And he's like, well, what about my doctorate? And she's like, Jim, either you're here. I'm not and Jim said he thought about it all day and he said as I was driving I was a little afraid of my wife so I decided to show up (laughs) he said there was a circular table in his seven and seven that was his favorite cocktail and a bowl of pretzels and he said I just sat there with my arms crossed and she just talked and talked and talked and talked he's like it was just this blah 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 He's like, I couldn't hear anything because I didn't want to hear anything. And she finally stopped after 20 minutes or so and said, so, Jim, how was your day? And arms crossed, he looks across the table and he says, well, I didn't get to work on my doctorate as long as I would have liked. Really? She says. He's like, yeah, really. She's like, is that it? Yeah, that's it. He's like, well, I guess we're done. And she gets up and walks away. He's like, what? You brought me home for that? She's like, I'm not gonna make you talk. You gotta choose to talk, Jim. And he's like, whatever. And he slams the chair, and, and as he's walking away, and she's like, Oh, Jim, tomorrow, five o'clock, either you're here or I'm not. He said, after three weeks of this, what he called torture, he ate a pretzel. <laughs> and after two months, he took a sip of his drink and he said after 35 years I'm more in love with that woman than I ever could have imagined why? because she, she she saw it and she had the hard conversation and she didn't come at him and start screaming at him and tell him what a loser he was she waited for him to talk this is what Jesus is addressing today I really think our lack of having the conversations is what's causing all the problems in the world. So let's look at what Jesus says about this. Okay, That was just my introduction. I promise the homily's not that long. <clears throat> I just want to look at the first part of what Jesus talks about. The first thing he says, he says, if a brother sins against you. And that word is really important because Jesus sees the Christian family as a family. Look around you, look to your left, or not to your left and right, that's your family. Look around you, look behind you, and in front of you, to your side. Do you see them as your brother? Do you see them as your sister? Because in the family of God, Jesus is very serious about this. A fellow believer is family. He even goes as far as to say that it's, they're almost more family than your actual family. But he makes another distinction. He says... If your brother sins against you, go to them. So many of us play the game, man. We sit back, oh yeah, I know, they hurt me. They know where I am. They can come and apologize anytime they want. They know where I live. Heck, you probably live in the same house. They can come groveling to my knees and beg for forgiveness. Jesus says, no, 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 you go to them. You initiate. You make the first move. Why? Because I'm going to say this once. No, I'm going to say it twice. I just, decided, I just changed my mind. Because broken relationships stay broken. Broken relationships stay broken. In the gospel, Jesus is not talking to his, his apostles. His apostles are there. but Do you know who he's talking to? Anybody? We've been through this before. You can raise your hand. I'll call on you. Who's he talking to? No, he's not talking to himself. But good guess. At least the kid has the courage to answer, you losers. Huh? He's talking to the believers. He's talking to the disciples. And he says this. Remember in Matthew's gospel, he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's talking about the sacrament of confession. He's talking about sin. He's talking about the forgiveness of sins. Here. He talks about forgiving your brother. And then he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What does he mean? If you don't heal those broken relationships, they carry on into eternity. And they bind you. Chain you. That's why there's an immediacy to this gospel to get it done now. Why do we do this? Why do we do it to our own family? They don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But he did it for you. Have a little humility and do it for them. Life is too short to live without family. You know, I was on retreat one time and Jesus was very clear to me. He said, I want you to go and ask forgiveness of all your girlfriends. That's right. All. All. And I'm like, okay, you know, okay. So the first one I meet, she's in the parking lot of Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm walking in, she's walking out. And I was like, oh my gosh, here it is. Here's my chance. And I go up and I'm like, hey, I just wanted to say, you know, if I was a jerk, I was a jerk. And I'm sorry. And like, I didn't treat you as you needed to be treated. It's because I didn't understand what love is. Now I do. And I really hope you find somebody that loves you in that way. This girl broke down. You know what? You know what she said to me? She said, that's the most beautiful thing a man has ever said to me. We live in a Christian society, and that's the most beautiful thing a man has ever said to her. I was like, yeah, I'm killing it. <laughs> and I was like, alright, one down, 58 to go. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing? Like, <laughs> But we don't go to those people. We go to other people and talk about those people. And because of this, broken relationships stay broken. Gossip keeps gossiping. Anger breeds anger. You know, today's gospel, it may be the most broken commandment of Jesus in the New Testament. We just don't do it. So the first thing is move. The second thing, tell them their fault. Okay, let's say you've gotten this far, okay? You've got the courage to go heal the relationship. You've asked them to have the conversation. Your brother, your sister. And then you're supposed to tell them their fault. Now, I'm going to tell you how most people tell another person their fault. It's something like this. You're so lazy. You never arrive on time. It's like you only care about yourself. What good is that going to do? Jesus did not tell us, tell them how you feel about their fault. He told us, Tell them their fault. And this is what that sounds like. Look, for the last week, you have not arrived on time for anything we've done together. Why? Do you see the difference in those two? One is antagonizing, attacking. The other one is the facts. And here's the thing, you guys. You can't argue the facts. Those—that's I, I just haven't showed up. I have to have an answer to that. But if you're like, you're lazy. You don't care about anybody. Yes, I do. And then it's just a screaming match. You see, you, you can't argue the facts, but you can argue how you feel about the facts. And here's the last thing why does Jesus set it up this way? Because we are not doing this to win a fight. Married people, I want you to hear me loud and clear. When you get into these hard, deci- these hard arguments, you're not doing it to win a fight. You're doing it to win your spouse back to the truth, back to goodness, back to beauty, back to the faith. When you argue from feelings, you're always trying to fight to win. When you argue from facts, you're trying to win the other back. Did you hear I just made a rhyme? That was pretty good. If we're honest, most conversations, especially within marriage, most difficult ones, when they happen, they sound like this. I'm right, you're wrong. What I'm doing is completely acceptable and understandable. And you are irrational and ridiculous right now. And there's a lot of people smiling. This is the way of the world. And it's so arrogant. Do you hear it? It's all about you. The beginning assumption is I'm right. Tell me I'm right. Not I want to win you back. Not I want, to come, I want you to come back and be the man that I married. The woman that I married. That I love. It's the way of the world to win. It's the way of Christianity to win someone back. I'll finish with this story. I went over to uh, my family's house. They've been married quite a a while. And uh, in the corner of their house, they had this big green vase. I like to tell the story at weddings. Big green vase. It was about four feet high. And it was about three feet wide. It was glass. This glass green. I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget it because it was filled. You ready with this? It was filled with wine corks. Now I'm like, that is, I said to the guy, I'm like, that's just a cool piece of art in a house. And he's like, Father, that's not art. I'm like, what is it? He said, well, every time my wife and I get into a fight, instead of screaming at each other and arguing from feeling, we sit down to a bottle of wine and hear each other out. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of booze. <laughs> right? I don't know if he's emptied that vase. That could be round two for all I know. But that's what Jesus is talking about. Sit down, hear him out, don't freak out, argue, and debate from fact. To win your brother or sister back to the faith. If this was the goal, the world would be a lot more full of love instead of hatred. Spouses would be full of joy instead of hatred or anger. It's not I got to win. It's, I got to win them back. Try it this week. One person. One relationship. And see what happens.